What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jewel Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson and Jake Galley. Here's a fact straight at you. 14 teams, not counting the Sixers and Blazers this year, have lost game five of a two-all playoff series by 26 or more points, and all of those teams went on to lose the series. The Blazers and Sixers both lost by 26 or more points last night. Can the Sixers or Blazers reverse that trend? Uh, I think it's pretty clear that, that the Sixers, at least, are not going to reverse that trend, at least not this year. I mean, games three and four, or games four and five, I'm sorry, I should say, the Sixers are looking... What am I say, Jake? Don't even... This, like, what why would I you... Say, it's so offensive. What am I, why would you even do that Shaky right baby! I can't wait until the Warriors sweep or get you out of here in the next two games. Well, it, that's funny. That's not going to happen. But, okay. no, I don't think the Sixers reverse that trend. And, I, I, look, I can feel the tension. Y'all are both hot. Like, I can feel... How upset you are! Jason I'm ready to over, go. Jason over here <laughs> sweating. So let me just—I'm gonna just take a step back and let y'all let y'all talk about it. Go ahead and talk about why your Sixers are important. So, in what was the biggest game of Brett Brown, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, pretty much everyone on the team, it was the biggest game of their career. It's the biggest game for the Sixers in 18 years. In no circumstance can you come out as flat as they came out. No, I'm beyond the point of like having kitty gloves because it's Embiid, because it's Simmons. Embiid, it is what it is. He's sick. He has poop. It is what it is. <laughs> ben Simmons, you have the same things wrong with you last year that you do this year. That can't be possible. If you want to call yourself, oh, I'm LeBron, I'm the next Magic. No, you're not. You're a dumbed-down Lamar Odom right now. It's ridiculous. J.J. Redick, Tobias Harris, mortgage the future to bring in Tobias Harris, get rid of Landry Shamit, who ends up being a better shooter than Tobias Harris, so Tobias can go disappear in the playoffs when we need him. Jimmy Butler, look, that guy gives his hardest. He, he went out, he didn't have the best game, but at least he was trying. They were completely asleep on the defensive end. I watched J.J. Redick and Ben get drove past and then stare at the ball instead of going into rotations. I mean, as a Sixers fan... After all the stuff that we have persevered through, the mm -hmm. process, the craziness after the process, mm -hmm. that game could not have been more disappointing. Now, with that being said, there's still a chance to redeem. Game six, you're coming home, your back's going to be up against the wall, and I'm actually going to be there. So with me coaching them from the, <laughs> the sidelines, from the stands, <laughs> they'll be able to go on for a victory. It doesn't get much worse of a playoff series of playoffs for J.J. Redick and Tobias Harris. I mean, Tobias Harris's true shooting percentage is right now down to 43.7%, and J.J. Redick is on a historically career-bad shooting performance right now. Uh, J.J. Redick only had three points in last game. In his 90 playoff games, he scored three or fewer points just once, and that came game seven two years ago against Utah when he was with the Clippers. So he's having one of the some of the worst you know shooting games of his career. You're also hot over there. Like you're my also, palms are sweating. Yeah. <laughs> my, like you're also... My like, palms are sweating. I'm at the edge of my seat. Go ahead, uh, get it off your chest. Go ahead. I'm going to start off with a... A little quote for from my buddy, Mr. Kanye West. Mm -hmm. This uh, coincides with the Sixers' playoff performance this series. They feel the pressure under more scrutiny. And what they do, they act more, more stupidly. stupidly. She's part of us! She's part of us! Talk to him, Jewel! Here we go. <laughs> Talk to him, Jewel! Game one, mm -hmm. Raptors. Okay. Game two, Sixers. Game three, Sixers. Yeah. All right, let's talk about it. Must give credit where credit is due. Joel Embiid, after the game, when I have fun, my game changes. He was in his element this night. His personality is so fire. So much talent and charisma. A 7-2 individual, windmilling a dunk, was nothing short of phenomenal. Absolutely outrageous. It was. That was, that, that was phenomenal. Electrified the whole uh, city. How authentic hype 
Iverson was on the side was also a nice little touch. It was kind of like our good luck charm that night. I could feel the energy through my TV. I don't know about you two. Mm. And not to mention a nice little touch. Bobby got a nice little haircut now, didn't he? Uh, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. He got a little snip snip done. Game four. The nitty and gritty. Mm-mm. Choppy game. Handed that game to Toronto. This team is starting to make me nuts, right? With this up and down nonsense. Joel's great when he's great. And, you know, he's not when he's not. Mm. Most talented player for sure. Played 35 minutes being sick. This game was so prime. Mm. So prime. Should have been a closeout game. And again, I get people get sick, but we're smack dab in the middle of the playoffs, baby. Get it together. Mm. Right? Get it together. Mm-hmm. Game three was an all-time performance compared to this game four. Um, didn't look awake, and I get he was sick, but I just felt frustrated watching it. Brett was fine this game. I saw people chirping on Twitter. Don't pull that card for this game. The problem still comes down to their consistency. Can they do it again? Game five. My predictions going into game five. Sixers. I will admit, I felt unsettled going into this game. Obviously, this was a pivotal game. I don't think it needs to go to Game 7. In my head, I'm thinking, we've gone up there, and we we beat them. We can do it again. And beating Simmons need to make some serious party moves last night. Both didn't play well in Game 4. Must play on a high level last night. Actual Game 5 thoughts. (laughs) I think it's safe to say I'm feeling a little dispirited at this point. Mm, Good word. Another SAT word. Right. That's the second one in the second one. In the You've been taking me on an absolute emotional roller coaster here, Sixers players. That first half of last night was not fair to the fan base. Mm. Not at all. Absolutely atrocious, really. It's like they don't even have the energy. Like, I'm sorry, we're in the NBA playoffs here. What do you mean you don't have the energy? The offense altogether is non-existent. Enough with this trading Butler, Simmons, and MB talk. It, enough. That's not going to happen. It's just take that off your plate. If it were my choice, which it is not, if it were my choice, I'd have five Jimmy Butlers out there at all times because of his mentality. Mm-hmm. I've been following his career for some time now, even at Marquette. He didn't start once at a freshman year at Marquette, by the way. He's got the mental mentality, the urgency, and ability to be resigned, and I'm here for it. To me, it really shouldn't even be up for debate. J.J. Redick, J.J. Redick doesn't look engaged whatsoever, absolutely useless, unless he's playing perfect. Brett Brown... Extremely ill-prepared. He needs to deliver a plan and a method to defeat the well, other so team. Jewel, it works successfully. Let me ask you a question. So you have a problem with Embiid. Do you think he should have even been playing? Because there are people who will say, oh, no, he shouldn't have been playing. I, I, what is your stance on that? Are you better with playing Joel Embiid at 50% or are you better without him? So that's what it comes down to. Let's venture, let's venture back to episode one. Screw it. Not, not even episode one. I've been saying this for months on end now. That question of relying too much on Joel Embiid, is, is that a good or a bad thing? I think they need to learn how to well, work without him and, too deep into the series to be worrying about it. I understand. But, but they need to learn to work to play 100%. without him. 100%. They do, but they, they've shown that they're a much worse team when he's not on the floor. And here, let me give my two cents as a as a non-Sixers fan. I'm right not away. done, but you go control. ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Here, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not going to troll. What I think the Sixers fans really overlooked is that your franchise player... Even though he was not at 100%, even though he was sick, even though he was battling injury, he still wanted to go out and give whatever percentage he had, he wanted to give the most of it for his team, for his city, for his franchise. Before we scrutinize Joel Embiid, before we call him all sorts of names and say that he's not showing up, I think at the very least, you got to give my man some kind of props, some kind of credit for not just falling over due to sickness and trying to do whatever it takes to win his franchise a playoff series. 
I get after the fact when he doesn't play well, it's like okay, well, like we you still didn't show up for us. But I saw nobody give him that. I didn't like that the I, I didn't like the Trevor Noah nonsense with him going out the night before. Show some more respect for your organization. Well, okay, whoa, and whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's walk it back a little bit because that is not confirmed. Here's the thing: people get on Joel Case. What would they say if Joel Embiid sat out these games after missing two years? What would they say about Joel Embiid? They would call him not reliable. He's not a franchise player. Thank Instead, you. he goes out there and guess what? He's never played worse, and he was the best player on the court in By this far. series. By far. And beat is a plus 40. Redick, Butler, Simmons, Harris, all minuses. Harris is a minus 39. He shouldn't even be out on the court right now. No, he's, he's getting eaten alive. And Simmons and Harris have the worst plus minuses because usually Don't they're even the get ones me started chasing on around Simmons. Kawhi and Pascal, Simmons, mm-hmm. or Pascal Siakam. It, it, it's really frustrating. Was be Ben Simmons right even present last night? He's such a passive player. When you play scared and you play indecisive, you are conservative. Ben Simmons. You know why he's scared? Look who he's look who he's staring at the other side of on that matchup every time. I'm shaking. I'm so pissed off. You I really, really am shaking. so mad about this. Ben Simmons is, is perceiving his selflessness, not driving to the basket, as contributing to the team. It's doing quite the opposite, right? Uh, ben Simmons is perceiving his selflessness. And it, it's like coming down to his confidence, self-esteem, and self-care. And a lot of that self-care comes from his mental health. Mental health is so goddamn important, so important. Unfortunately, I've had to learn that the hard way multiple times in my life as well. But it comes down to this. Ben Simmons is self-sabotaging himself, and it's showing on the court. Yep. Uh, now, hey, I'm not. I'm no psychologist, nor am I in the locker room or by his bedside bedside every night but there are certain methods available in this world free ones may I add to us that can assist in changing his mental processes which would ultimately contribute to his production on the court some examples meditation hypo hypotherapy well, acupuncture really don't, I, I don't think it's mental with him. What, I, what, I think you're very wrong with that what i would say is, very wrong. is that he doesn't have the skill set to do anything else he hasn't added any skills to his game right. he's an extremely confident guy he'll talk shit to anyone no. he'll call larry in the face and said i'll meet you in the back bro i'll beat you up the, i think it was last year or in the season this year I, I think he's someone who thinks too highly of himself, I in think, my opinion. I, think so I disagree. Too. I think he has so much potential. Some of you are probably like, Joel, you are in no room to diagnose anybody. You're probably the last person on earth I'd want to be diagnosing me. But this kid has so much potential. He just has a mental block that needs to be removed. And I strongly believe that there are alternative methods that if he hasn't already been doing, and he needs to be responsible to doing that on his own and make it a priority and a routine. Bottom line, pronto, Ben Simmons should not be coddled by the fan base. It takes booze for you to play good. Really? Ben, Benji, Benjamin, I now speak <laughs> directly to you. By not taking care of yourself, you are doing a disservice to the fan base, the organization, your teammates, and mo- most importantly, yourself. Mm. Welcome uh, so, to her TED Talk. Right, that was, uh, well, you know what, that was just, I'm it, like, in part, what all Sixers fans were feeling a little she bit She might of, have spoke for the entire, you feel better after that? Do you feel a little bit better? I feel like I just, like, toxins out of my body. But on the other side, there. look, we got to give some credit to Kawhi Leonard. That's what I was just about to say. Kawhi has been out Toronto of his series. mind this mm-hmm. series, unstoppable, averaging 34.6 points per game on 59% shooting in the series. He's shooting 41% just about from three. Michael Jordan only did that once in a playoff series. LeBron has never done it. He's playing probably the best basketball on earth right now. Him and Kevin Durant, you could have a conversation. Mm. And the Sixers have been worse for wear because of it. And even not just Kawhi, but the entire Raptors team. I mean, they have this game plan around the Sixers and around Ben Simmons that's really stifled them. Toronto plays with the second slowest pace in the NBA. They use the most shot clock. They don't 
run as many possessions as most teams do throughout the course of the game. And Ben Simmons' whole game thrives on a full-court game, an up-and-down um, transition-type game. And Jared Dudley said it best, and no one wanted to listen. When you put Ben Simmons in a half-court, Jared Dudley said he becomes average. That's exactly what just happened, okay? And it's, it's really just slowed down Ben Simmons, and once he's in the half court, you, he's he's much, much less effective. Kawhi's unreal, too, because he, like, makes other players better. Mm-hmm. It's, like, infectious. Like, his energy is an infectious. Right. Before we move on to the other series, I have to ask you two Sixers fans this question. Of the, I'm going to call it the WTF stuff that's happened with the Sixers. The mind-blowing <laughs> stuff that's happened with the Sixers in the past two years. Real quick, tell me what's worse. The Fultz forgetting how to shoot. Your GM having his whole Twitter saga with his wife, Zaire Smith mysteriously breaking his foot, or Joel Embiid sickness. You can even throw Andrew Bynum, the whole Andrew Bynum thing. Are we gonna throw in the Ben Simmons nonsense with Kendall Jenner? Ben Simmons nonsense. What what has bothered you most as a Sixers fan of those? It has to be, in my opinion. Well, you know what? I'm not gonna say it has to be. You could really go with any of them. Fultz forgetting how to shoot totally changes the trajectory of the team. If he's the star that they needed him to be, he'd still be on this team right now. They wouldn't have had to trade for Tobias Harris. Maybe, probably wouldn't have had to trade for Jimmy Butler. You can make an argument there. But Markel Fultz not being good and totally forgetting how to shoot totally changes the tra- trajectory of the franchise. And because of that, that's he's going to be my answer. I, I, I added to your list of things. I'm going to stick with that. The Ben that's Simmons it. nonsense with Kendall Jenner. If that is, if that, I didn't even know they broke up. You told me that right before I we started producing that. today. I got, I got, that was really uh, who, who knows is that right. true or not? I, I, part of me hopes it is. Right. Uh, is, we will see. I know, they had a winning record in Kendall games this year, right? I think she's bad news. They did. Whatever. We're going to move on because there was, on you know, <laughs> there was actual other playoff games that happened. Sorry to inform the city of Philadelphia. Um, but this Blazers-Nuggets series is turning out to be a series of much-watched basketball. And something I didn't even expect to be as entertaining as it was. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I mean, for me, it's been Nikola Jokic absolutely putting on for his team He's someone who, in the course of a playoff series, I thought might get physically bullied a little bit. Uh, he's notably tubby, and oh. he's extremely <laughs> skilled. He's averaging 26.4 points, 14.4 rebounds, 8.8 assists. It's the highest assist total uh, in terms of this total season since Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt averaged about 8 uh, back in like the 60s. So... He's playing out of his mind right yeah. now. Yeah, here's a stat for you. Jokic leads all players in total points added this postseason. Let me explain. Total points added adds offensive points added and defensive points added uh, for a player. Uh, OPA is derived by adjusting offensive box plus minus scores to account for the number of possessions the player is in question or is present for. So that's long-winded of saying uh, the average amount that Denver has before Jokic has his contribution, and the average amount they have after his contribution. Jokic, that gap, Jokic has the biggest plus in the NBA in this postseason, which means he's probably the biggest factor on, singular factor on his team than any other person in the playoffs. Above Kawhi, above Giannis, uh, above Joel Embiid, above anybody else, above Dame, above anybody else, and it's probably the biggest reason why the Denver Nuggets are in the driver's seat to win that that matchup with the Blazers. Yeah. Well, And who I'm also impressed with is Jamal Murray, Murray, as a guy who is kind of hit or miss in terms of his games, will either have a really good game or then one game will come out and have five points and hit like two buckets. He's been able to be a little bit more consistent in this series. Uh, and when he's going, like you have to put so much attention on Jokic in the low post. And for the Blazers, they really don't even have anyone to corral him. 
Cantor is, you know, he's holding his own better than I thought he would, but mm. you don't have Nurkic who can really go toe-to-toe with guys like Jokic. Because of that now, Jamal Murray's getting open looks when they're drawing into Jokic, and really his passing ability when Murray's cutting to the basket has been great as well. But, but our boy Tubby played 65 minutes in the overtime game. <laughs> yeah, come come on. Your he was the most durable player in that game. I mean, he he's definitely durable. He definitely has stamina, but... You look at his body; it doesn't look like he should yeah. be one of the top players in the NBA. And it's weird, like his his style of play is so like slow moving. It's just not in a rush. And what you have to look at is his footwork and his technique. When you're so much slower than everybody, but you can still get to your spot, that just means he's so fundamentally sound. I mean, remember Timmy D? Timmy D wasn't running past anybody, but Timmy D got to his spot all the time. And it's what Jokic can do. But let's go to the other side. Let's look at uh, the Portland Trailblazers and what's happened to Dame Lillard. Like, we saw an animal last series. There's no fire and underneath Dame, him. There's, there's, there's no one rocking him like a baby. There is there is no Joker, pun intended. There's no Joker to his Batman. There's no villain this series. There, like, he had someone last series in Russell Westbrook that he had to get up for every game right. or Russ was going to abuse him. There's no one over there like that for Denver. Like, even, even in the Dark Knight, the Joker makes the point to Batman that you need me. I, I You need me to thrive. Without me, you you don't have a purpose. Yeah, every Batman, like every 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 superhero needs his villain, and Dame Lillard kind of lost his. You know, when Russell Westbrook, when he sent Russell Westbrook home, there's nobody like that for Denver. Nobody who makes Damian Lillard light a fire under himself to beat. He was he was battling a, a storyline and a narrative as much as he was battling a basketball player, and he's not this series. And and Lillard shooting 25% from three this series compared to the 48% that he shot last round against OKC right there is all you need to know about his performance and on top of that we mentioned it before they don't really have much help down low like Zach Myers or Myers Leonard Zach Collins and Myers Leonard are like your two guys I combined them they might as well be the same player they don't really add much and they're not going to deal with because the Nuggets are one of the only teams that can thrive with two big men down low when Mm. they put Jokic and Millsap into the game it creates nightmares and let's talk about Paul Millsap because Paul Millsap had a breakout game last night um, with the Hawks, people forget that Paul Millsap was a force. He averaged like 24 points a game per in the playoffs with the Hawks. And then last night was just punishing people down low. And people kind of forget about Paul Millsap. But um, Mike Malone and many of the Denver Nuggets said that Paul Millsap was one of the underlying heroes of this team all season. So that brings back our original question, can Portland come back? And uh, for to me, yes, I think they play better at home. They have more of a backbone at home. Mm-hmm. But you go ahead. What, what are your thoughts? Um, I do think that as well. Um, we've seen the, how they can get energized at home um, with Damian Lillard uh, and that crowd behind them. Also, role players play better at home, and their role players step up mightily from home and away. Rodney Hood, uh, C.J. McCollum, Al Farouk Amino. Um, uh, why am I forgetting? Um their other big? No, Mo Harkless. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and Mo Harkless, they all play uh, much better at home. So, And I do think the uh, the Trailblazers have a little bit of more of a tough edge at home than most teams do. Uh, they ride for Rip City. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think the series is probably over for them. Uh, I think Denver has kind of found their secret formula, and they also have the talent to match. So really all they need to do is come show up and do what they've been doing. But that's easier said than done. Someone who has improved and stepped up is your Houston Rockets. They won the last two. It's now 2-2. Two, Did, two. Didn't I tell them boys in the Bay to tighten up? What did I say last episode? That we were going to hold serve at home and make this a three-game series, and that's exactly, Broken clock. That's yes. exactly Broken what happened. Broken clock's right twice a day. You know what I mean? But in this game, it was a game that, in my opinion, is probably James Harden's best offensive, certainly, performance in the playoffs and just in what he was able to do with the flow of the game. I wrote down in my notes, he controls an NBA game 
the way that Lionel Messi controls, and maybe not a great time to bring this up, Lionel Messi controls <laughs> the pace of play and the speed of which he plays Screw at Barcelona. You for that. Screw you for that. Oh, it feels good. Thing. It really does feel good Screw to give you, you a well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into why I'm so upset about the Barcelona thing later, but screw you. But yeah, his mastery on the offensive end and his change of pace was just so hard for the Warriors to stick all the way through. Him and Durant are just going toe-to-toe. It's really phenomenal going basketball. It. Yeah, they're really going at it. Um, And something that was huge that the Rockets changed from the first two games to the second two games, I don't know if they changed it, but my man's Austin Rivers stepped up. You made the point last episode that you wouldn't want your playoff series contingent or hinged on how well Austin Rivers played. I made the point that I'm okay with that because when he plays well, that's a huge step off the Rockets bench uh, for the Rockets, and it's someone that the Warriors don't game plan for. He I really mean, changes the to defend myself. Here's I, I said that in the sense that he was available on the waiver wire. Anyone could have picked him up. He's playing extremely well behind Chris Paul and in this system, better than I could have foreseen. Well, he played that well behind him with the Clippers. I'm no, but when to he was on, but when he was on the Wizards this season, he was trash. Oh, so point being, in that now that he's able to go ISO on the second unit uh, and is in a more free flowing system, I think he's really improved from that. So I mean, Kevin Durant obviously was a hot topic last episode, just with the whole uh, crossover topic mm-hmm. we were doing. He's been carrying the team on his, uh, his back the entire series. His personality is a jumper, though, and I know we all think he's going to leave I strongly think he's going to leave he's very easily influenced but he has like power to leave he's he's got options and he's absolutely can have it with the resume that he has do you guys think he is I guess good at adjusting with teams or is it one of those things where the team has to adjust to well, him? When, when you're such an offensive talent or you're such a talent like Kevin Durant teams teams adjust to you teams fit like teams put you into their offense um, like you don't have to be inserted into theirs. That makes sense. Yeah. Like teams form yeah. around you. You make a game plan so Kevin Durant can fit your team, not so, or so your team can fit Kevin Durant, not so Kevin Durant can fit your team. That would go for any 32 NBA teams, maybe not the Lakers. I mean, Lakers may be the only team that would be able to get away with that because they have LeBron. Yeah, I, I think to your point, I mean, when, when you're so good, it's kind of like, regardless of if they're adjusting to you or you, it's easier probably for him to adjust to the needs of his team depending on what they need. The thing is, he's been on two superstar teams that, in his absence, his superstar teammates have been able to step up to the point where they all can kind of co-form together. And he's stepping, especially with not, the Warriors. Well, not this series. His superstar teammates aren't stepping up this Well, series. Steph Curry, I will say, in, like, post-press conferences, he's so cash, man. You can see he's a champion. Like, he's been there before. He's, like, super, like, it, like, doesn't phase him. And that is it doesn't why, phase him. And that is why he's going to get beat this year. I mean, he's just, he, he's, he's going absent. I made a point on Twitter to ask, why are we not talking about how subpar Steph Curry has been in these playoffs? Our own statistician, Stat Matt, tried to come and defend Steph Curry, and then he had two of the worst playoff games he's had in his whole career so i'm glad that that happened right after i'm giving matt the craziest <laughs> eye right now like eric gordon has outscored steph curry this series we all saw the missed dunk uh we all see the turnovers right. we all see that steph is kind of you know going beside himself i mean maybe he's dealing with some problems at home we know Aisha curry Oof. is looking for some bringing up clay thompson i know this kind of hurt your feelings right. when i brought it up before he apparently walked out of the avengers movie two hours into it basically saying it wasn't quick enough for him I, I don't care about he was wrong. Clay so. Thompson's a weirdo. Yeah, yeah, we see the videos of him, of him in China. Like he's just a different type dude. Maybe the Bay is perfect for him. Yeah, because whatever. He's much more laid back. <laughs> I'm not, Too I'm, laid back. I'm not even worried about that. Let's go back to that Durant Harden matchup. Um, like you said, they're going tit for tat, and it's it's really like shocking how even they are this series. They're both averaging 36 points per game this series. But I will tell you this: one of them is going to have to step up and win it 
for their team. Who does that harder than Durant? Uh, history would say Durant. He's better in clutch moments, but it feels like Harden this year. I'm a big Harden guy. I, I want Harden to do well. I, want, I think everyone wants Harden to do well because if Harden does well, then the Rockets no more, do well. Right, no more Warriors. No right. more Warriors. Let's just get him out of here. Um, I do think that, but I think there's a little underlying factor because I think Kevin Durant is going to need, like they're both going to need their role players to step up yep. at the end of this series. Kevin Durant is going to need Steph Curry or Klay Thompson to hit a shot. He doesn't need Draymond Green to step up. He needs his all-stars to step so up. So James Harden missed six in a row baskets at one point, but the team all in all has created ex- exceptional spacing for him mm-hmm. to sink those shots. They are. They have been. They have been. The, the Very well. The floor as well. You got to see. I mentioned that this one-on-one ISO has to come and more effective with James Harden, and the Rockets are doing just that. When you see the space on the floor when he goes ISO, the thing that they've changed is now everyone was at the perimeter, but when James Harden makes that decision, makes that drive or makes that shot, people collapse to the offensive boards. Mainly my main man, P.J. Tucker. I got to give a huge shout-out to him um, because there's no one outworking him in in any capacity. He went from standing in the corner to looking for that kickout to as soon as that shot goes up, he's going from that corner and crashing the offensive boards, and it's made a huge difference. Right, Mm -hmm. yeah, I did pick that up, and he's been a huge change in the series um, because what they're doing to allow him to do that is that, like you said, they shade over um, to take away the drive from Harden. Another kind of chess piece type move by the Warriors on defense has been watch. Watch in these next games how when Steph Curry is off the ball, the Rockets' main goal is to try and get him involved in the pick mm-hmm. and roll to get on to Harden. So and the mention. Warriors, to avoid that, he is like pre-switching everything. Like whoever they're going to send, he'll just send his teammate to go guard that guy who's going to get switched on to. Mm-hmm. And it's literally a back and forth of them making adjustments to try and get Harden on Cur- or Curry uh, guarding Harden so Harden could just take him right to the rack. Mm. Uh, we'll see how that adapts through the next couple of games. But right now, Harden, it doesn't matter. He embarrassed Clay on a couple of moves. Embarrassed the whole team. Kavon Looney sent him to like a different state. What about, <laughs> about Andre Iguodala hyperextending his knee? Iggy always has problems. He like does. That. He, he has always has hyperextension, like something. Uh, he's been, he's obviously part of their death lineup. He's important to their team, but right now he got neutralized a little. Bit. Right, well, right now it comes down to Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, like we've said. I mean, if they start going, the series is it's, over. All it is is a difference from last year and this year. The Rocket starters are playing better than the Warriors starters. I mean, four of the five Rocket starters, everybody but Clint Capella, is shooting a better field goal percentage than they did last year against Golden State. So the Rockets are up in their play, and it looks like the Warriors kind of plateaued a little bit. Um, so we'll see that goes. Clay is also only shooting 30% from three this series. So we, we've seen a dip in their production, and we've seen a spike in the Rockets' production. Um, but now we go from the Western Conference back to the Eastern Conference, and something I know will make you two happy is seeing the Celtics struggle and seeing Giannis absolutely take over uh, the TD Garden um, and the Celtics. Look, we talked about it last episode. Kyrie just looks disinterested at this point. Completely. On offense and defense, he's, I mean, granted, he always takes those ISO shots, but it seems he's more haphazard in choosing which ones he takes and when he chooses to take them. And then on defense, I watched the breakdown of this game where they pointed out like numerous amounts of times Kyrie simply just does not care on rotation. Just like the Sixers, Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, they weren't rotating. Kawhi does, or Kyrie does the same thing. He gets beat, he turns, he watches the play, and guess what? If they get stopped at the rim, they can kick out to the guy who he didn't ro- rotate. But here's here's my only argument is Kyrie was never Kyrie was never different from but that. But he was, he was always an effort player. He, on he, defense? 
Oh, in but the game, I've never yes. seen him. I've yes. never yes. seen yes. him within rotation. Yes, I've never seen him give crazy effort on the defensive end. It just gets highlighted when he shoots bad on the offensive end. That's fair. Like the chemistry isn't there, is what you're... it's. It's never. Well, he doesn't like his teammates. Yeah. That's the thing. The, it's, it's true, <laughs> and I think what's bad is the game after he shot seven for twenty-two. He said you'll never see a seven for twenty-two game again. They didn't. He just made one more. Giannis kept doing they, his thing. What he had thirty-nine points, was it? Yeah, no, no, no. He shot one less basket. It was seven of twenty-two. The game after he shot eight of twenty. You won't see me shoot eight of twenty-two again. You will see me shoot seven. A true two. shooting percentage of forty-seven point two, which is abysmal, especially for someone who shoots the ball as well as Kyrie. Irving. Wait, speaking of Milwaukee, though, uh, for one, I think Milwaukee is better. But two, did you see Aaron Rodgers shade Paul Pierce over Twitter? His tweet read the other day, may, and might I add, Aaron Rodgers is a, par- a partial owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. If people did not know that, I didn't know. That uh, he he is a part. He's a partial owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. His tweet read the other day. Maybe Paul Pierce was right at Bucks hashtag three and one after Pierce made comments about the Celtics winning flat out in the series after game one. I'm tired of Paul Pierce because Paul Pierce is starting. <laughs> Paul Pierce is a ragdoll. Yeah, he media. didn't he didn't mean it either. He says stuff so people will pay attention to him. So we're, here's, we're, he's winning because now I'm sitting here talking about something dumb. That I'm Paul happy Pierce Rogers said. called him out. I like that. He should have been. Uh, I got to take something back. I said Gordon Hayward was a huge help for the Celtics this series. He's been doo-doo. He's, he's been, I mean, the whole second unit for the Celtics has been doo-doo. Really, anybody but Al Horford has been doo-doo. All their forwards, like, aside, Jalen Brown had a good series, but Tatum, compared to last year, last year he was 23.6 points per game on 62.6 true shooting. This year, 11.5 points per game on 45.3% true shooting. I will, with a grain of salt, he's not starting this year. That, thank you. He's thank not you. starting. He's not in the position to do it. However, however, he's still not as efficient as he was last year. Maybe that's because he's a player who needs to get into a rhythm. But from what I've seen, it's because he's a washed Rudy Gay. That's what Jason Tatum is. He's, a, he's a new washed player to you every week. He's a new washed player. He's he's a system player. He's someone who, yes, needs to get in rhythm and gets the, into the flow of the game. Look, if the first unit isn't playing well, what do you think Jason Tatum's going to be one to, to bring him out of that? Right. Uh, he's really not. Um, they've had a whole team regression. Uh, let's give Giannis some shine here. Um, Giannis is having uh, his first really, like, statement series uh, of his career, his first MVP-type series, averaging 30 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists on 62%. Uh, true shooting percentage. What, what's missing? What four or five threes in mm-hmm. that? And that average too. Giannis is playing great. He's playing phenomenally. Uh, all right, guys. Let's speak some facts to me. Right, Pat Beverly said Katie's the best player in the world, and it's not even close. Is he speaking facts? Uh, LeBron misses the playoffs for one year, and people go crazy, huh? Like, no. Kevin Durant is not. They've been waiting for. Kevin Durant may be the best player left in these playoffs. LeBron James, let's not get it twisted, is still the best player on the planet. If he was in the playoffs, this wouldn't be a debate. That's fair. And what really what gets me is that he says it's not even close. Just because you guarded him and he toasted you doesn't mean that it's not, not even close. close. There are a lot of players who are close. Right now, he's going up against Harden, who you could argue is playing the best basketball in the world. Then you go Giannis to Kawhi. Is, Giannis is still close to us. And like, I think he's full healthy and beat is close to I him. I think left in the playoffs, he is probably the best player, but it is, it's it close. is close. It is close. Right, it's mm-hmm. close. Uh, Charles Barkley, referring to Joel Embiid, as a star player, you can never show weakness. Embiid complains so much about being sick. He drains the energy out of the room. Is he speaking facts? Talk to Chuck. Um, I don't think that he's wrong in the sense of saying Embiid needs to have a better body language, needs to mm-hmm. probably lead a little bit better. But at the same time, I'm not blaming him for his team coming out flat. The reason that they got Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, J.J. Redick, all these guys to supplement the two stars is so to pick 
Joel up when he's down. Like, okay, big man, you don't got this game. We've got it. We've stepped in. They came out completely flat, too. To me, that's a little bit up on Brett Brown, and it's more on the players, in my opinion. Answer me this question. Is Joel Embiid a demigod? Is he, is he human? To Philadelphia, yes. He's, he's a demigod. Is he human? Yes. Oh, oh, he's human. Humans show, he's a human being. Humans yes. show weakness. Okay, no one's no one's invincible. Humans I know show what he's, weakness. but he's irresponsible. I, I, is what it comes down to. Come he's on. in the professional basketball league. I don't know if he's irresponsible. He is irresponsible. His diet is irresponsible. His diet is what you it, can get. Him. But that's listen, irresponsible. You can show Barkley to say that. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Right. Charles that boy Barkley. Chuck Barkley said it. <laughs> and here's the thing: you can show weakness, okay? But you have to be accountable for your weakness. You can't have a new reason why you're exactly. I'm not. Saying it's not okay to show weakness, we're human beings. But if you do not own your shit, that's where I have the problem with you. And I, I lack respect in that aspect. I love Joel Embiid. Let's clarify that. Mm-hmm. I love Joel Embiid, but there's a reason I'm not wearing my 21 jersey. You today. definitely had to clarify that because I would have thought you hated. Both no, of no, no, no. I do not hate them. I the Sixers are my favorite team in all of Philadelphia. I am a huge Sixers fan. I am just worked up at the moment, and I am very disappointed. All right. Max Kellerman said, Kawhi is better under pressure than Kobe was. Is he speaking facts? (laughs) (laughs) Because he rips up Ben Simmons in one series does not make him the most clutch player of all time. He hits a few contested twos. uh, And granted, in this profession, I know Max Kellerman walked into the production meeting and they were like, all right, guys, we've got uh, Kawhi is better under pressure than Kobe. Who wants to take the Kawhi side? And Max lost the flip of the coin. (laughs) Max lost They had to take it. And unfair to him, Jay Williams really came (laughs) at his head and confronted him and said, show me these clutch moments. And Max had not one answer for him. Neither do I. No Max Kellerman is not speaking facts. Like, do you forget who Kobe Bryant was? Like, there's a reason. Like, his performance, you, you reference it as Kobe-esque. Kobe-esque. There's a reason why. Because Kobe is the guy who, and he's been great. Kawhi's been great. But you look at the sample size, it's just nowhere near. Kobe close. has over 200 more clutch clutch time shots than Kawhi. And his percentage is only different by, like, 5%. So Kobe has been in that role thousands of more times and has produced just as much. Like, no, let's not jump the gun. We love to jump the gun on stuff. Like, stop. We're Philadelphians. That's what it is. It's Max Kellerman. You're a New Yorker. He's just yeah. as bad. Just as bad. All right. So this last one. <laughs> Our very own Jake Galley. Ben Simmons is a top top 10 two-way player. Uh, is he speaking fast? First of all, before we do that, we're going to roll the clip from uh, from uh, Jake trying to say this at Xfinity Live. Do you want to preface You want to preface this clip? It was in your tap out last week. He's not saying anything. Uh, so Jake was at Xfinity Live. Just get a Live. Bit, all right? Just, just, Jake was at <laughs> Xfinity Live and tried to do this in like a family feud type setting and tried to answer that Ben Simmons was a top 10 two-way player and got crickets and a buzzer for it. Um, I think if this little sample size from the Raptors series tells us anything, it tells us that you're not speaking facts at all. Oh, really? So you're telling me that any other player listed on that list would have a phenomenal series and look just as good as they've always been against Kawhi Leonard? I didn't say that. They would look better than Ben Simmons looks. Uh, maybe. You might be right. Look, here's what I'll say about Ben Simmons, because right now there, there's not many ways for me to defend him. When he realizes his potential, not even with a jump shot, just being aggressive and not, like, refusing to be forced out of a game because one or two shots don't go in. When Ben Simmons is going hard and is locked in, there's not many players like him in the NBA. And we've had this discussion 9,000 times, Jake. I'll try to drill it in your head one more time, that players have limitations. Some players just can't develop 
an, another thing to make their game better. That that thing for Ben Simmons People might could be say a jump, that about Brooke Lopez, who wasn't a jump shooter until two years ago when he decides to be a jump shooter. Magic Johnson, halfway through his career, decided, hey, I need to start hitting some shots from the Magic outside. Magic Johnson never became a jump shooter. Not, not a primary jump shooter, but he had a jump shot. He had a jump shot. And that's really all. You just need to be honest. That's it. That's it. Shoot 27%. Just take him. All right, guys. Time to hit the countdown. Mm-hmm. Number five. Number of threes. Clay and Steph hit in game four. We talked about it. They're not playing very well. Clay Thompson shooting 30%. Uh, I think they turn it around in game five. They're going to be able to create some separation in this series. Yeah, Steph and Clay looking shaky baby they probably will turn it around in game five though you love that <laughs> Just, you love i love that. it they probably will turn it around in game five because steph and clay are players that need a crowd behind them to play well and they'll have a crowd behind them four in game five uh number four the number of teams to overcome a 3-0 uh first like deficit in the champions league god this hurts me so much um because two of those teams have been uh, two of those times I've come against my favorite soccer club in the world, Barcelona, and it happened again uh, as Liverpool overcame uh, a 3-1 deficit uh, in the second leg of the Champions League. Um, I just It's just got to figure itself out. Um, I don't know why, but Barcelona is just incapable of holding those second leg leads in the Champions League. They have some kind of Champions League curse. Yep. Three. The number of NBA conference semis series that were tied 2-2 uh, this year, or at this year, and there was zero last year, meaning the parity in the NBA is getting better. We're seeing better series. Teams are getting more familiar with each other. It's not just the Cavs and the Warriors like it was years ago. Running, you know what it is. You take out the most dominant player in the league out of the playoffs, and right. it gets more evenly matched. Two. Number two, the ranked Nikola, Nikola Jokic sits at assists per game in the playoffs. This is a big man who's only behind a point guard and assists per game in these playoffs. Um, he's going to transcend the big man position. It's gone from low post scoring to now stretching the bigs to now being able to combine low post scoring and low post passing. Jokic does it better than anybody. Yeah, he's a total beast, as we said. Number one. Number of combined Stanley Cups won in the last 17 years for the remaining five playoff teams. The NHL, I'd say, probably has the best parody out of all the leagues. Uh, shout out to my man, Jay Bach, who commented in, wondering if we're going to do some NHL. Here's your NHL for you, Jay Bach. Yeah, I hope this suffices. Or sliver. I hope this suffices for you. Zero. Uh, zero. We don't usually do zero, but we got to highlight this. Is number of hits. Up this week. Yeah, number of hits allowed by Mike Fires and his no-hitter uh, against the Reds. Uh, first no-hitter of the MLB season uh, comes at a great time. And look, like if anyone knows the game of baseball or has ever played uh, the, the game of baseball, um, then you know how literally tough it is to face 27-plus batters and none of them get a hit. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just truly remarkable. The 300th in MLB history. Um, and it's just a remarkable it's his second time, too, I'm pretty sure, doing it, which he's not that good of a pitcher. I'm pretty sure it's his second time. Yeah, that's that's just dominant right there. All right, guys, we're hitting the buzzer. At the buzzer. You got anything to say at the buzzer, Joel? I do. I cut off a uh, Philadelphia Parking Authority hey. truck today, and it was the most satisfying. It was literally the most satisfying thing I've done all week. So. You literally might deserve a medal for that. Mm-hmm. Any, if you could save anybody from a parking God's ticket, work. that is. I should have just rear-ended them. So uh, we talked about this actually last week. One of my big pet peeves is when like you're in like Wawa or somewhere where there's lanes and uh, they say open on the other side. And then the last person in line goes around mm. like there are rules here. All right. You can't just go ahead. Just you were last in line just because you want to beat me because it's like some sort of race over to the other side. Like you have some courtesy. You're, like maybe a second and a half wait, I'd say is acceptable. But for the people who just 
Oh, it's a... See, James' face. I know James is one of these people. James, I'll tell that, you what, okay? If that joint is open, I'm shooting. That's like, what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm like, like you're sleeping line, you're sleeping line. That just shows me that you Wake sleep up. in line too much. All right, <laughs> next time, I'm tackling you to the ground and moving past you. If that's then what I hit him with take. a quick spin move, and now his ankles <laughs> is broken. Uh, from, for At The Buzzer, all I got to say is uh, this Sunday is a very big uh, holiday. It's Mother's Day this Sunday. Uh, personally, probably one of my favorite holidays because... Hi, Mom. Um, like, hi, Mommy. Like, I love... <laughs> I love my mom, and I think moms are one of the biggest superheroes we have, the biggest superhero we have in this yes, world. Uh, no one could do anything uh, they could accomplish without the loving and support of their parents. So if you have a mother in your life, please cherish her this Sunday. Get her flowers. Get her something. Spend time with her. My mom wants to go bowling, do laser tag, uh, and go go-karting. What so, a sweetie. Woo, I'm sorry on Mother's Day that i got to hand my mom three L's. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera. From my partner, Jewel Schmitz. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. To my partner, Jake Galley. I'm James Jackson. And these have been the facts. Straight up.